0: It is the ultimate buyer's guide for luxury gadgets and creative gifts. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today I am joined with Glenn Gunawan with the Sonic Soap. Glenn, thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Roy. really excited to be here and, and talk with you.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this product. You know, we've been working together for, for some time on it. And this ultimate ultrasonic cleaning tool is, you know, the number one project on Indiegogo right now. So I'd love for you to just uh, give our audience a little bit of the, the background and what inspired Sonic Soak to come to fruition.
1: Yeah, so I actually used to be a management consultant. So I did a ton of traveling back and forth when I was uh, when I was more more corporate. And, and a a big issue for me, especially when I had longer business trips, was always actually having to deal with all my all my clothes that I could never really afford to pay for dry cleaning. I mean, I just I just couldn't justify paying ten bucks per shirt to dry clean at the hotel or something. I wouldn't really have time to like you know find like a a nice like laundromat or something to to clean my clothes with. And so. I got to talking with a few friends about what the problem looks like, and, and we started trying to see if there are any options out there. We didn't, we didn't see a lot of, I guess, portable cleaning solutions out there, and then we saw that there was this, this really cool technology, ultrasonic cleaning, that actually my, my girlfriend at the time used quite a bit to clean her jewelry, to clean basically a lot of uh, things that I didn't even think you could really clean very well. And so... We did some research, saw that it's, it has the potential in actually cleaning a lot of what's in your house, including clothes. And so that's how we kind of got kicked off and started this, this adventure with, uh, with Inventus Partners.
0: Yeah, we're obviously really excited to be working on this campaign with you now that we're well over 300,000 and a couple thousand backers on it. When you guys were creating Sonic Soak as you know, your product, was this the first product that you guys have already have developed?
1: Not really, actually. Okay. we've done between myself and my, and my partners involved in this, we've launched a bunch of products before, just not really through crowdfunding. We actually wanted to go to crowdfunding just because we had, we had seen that there's so much, so much community, so much um, hype, I guess, that doesn't really come with traditional product launches. And when I say traditional, I mean uh, you know, launching our product on Amazon, on traditional e-commerce channel with, with ads and what have you. But we saw in crowdfunding there was it it formed like a certain uh, sense of brand loyalty with a lot of our customers, a lot of press picked it up quite easily, and it was just uh, it was just some it was just something that seemed really fun and something that that we felt was a growing space or opportunity that we wanted to tap into and learn how to how to do really well, which is why we a big part of why we went into this was making sure that we did everything right and planned way ahead and talked with a ton of marketing partners to as well as previous founders this kind of see the best practices and things.
0: Absolutely. So when you guys were creating Sonic Soak, what does that process look like for you guys? And how did you guys go about deciding what features to include in it?
1: In terms of the design aspect, I mean, we have a pretty strong engineering team behind us. You know, we while my focus is much more on the marketing as well as the more like team building and the... I guess more of like the, the business development side of things. We have Nato, who's our chief scientist, and between he and his team, and he owns the patent and everything on this product. It was, it was, it was much more of finding the, the right person to, to work with this idea that could really bring this idea to reality. And we had already launched successfully on, on Asia with yeah. this product just because we weren't sure of the market in the U.S. at first, but we launched it successfully in in China, you can read all about it on our campaign page and our history. But after that, it was a matter of thinking, okay, well, that was a good trial run in Asia. Let's let's go after after what what we really wanted to tap into, which is like the U.S. and international market where people just have a bigger appetite for this for, this, for these kinds of goods, except higher quality than the ones we had in China. And so we, that that was it was always just a more stepping stone thing for us. And then we slowly added on features, added on um, durability, added on better quality materials as we started from a, from a more basic product that we just, you know, we weren't sure of the appetite yet, so we could not invest in a ton of inventory and it eventually grew to the higher end version that we're bringing out here, here in the U S to your point about features uh, in the end, you know, what was great about the Sonic soak is we could focus on just one thing. Really we could, we all we needed to focus on was getting a strong ultrasonic vibe, ultrasonic I don't want to say vibrator, but ultrasonic generator that could generate sound waves as strong as possible. And anything beyond that was, was superfluous in a way. And so for us, it was always like a a one, a very focused mindset of trying to find a way to create the strongest ultrasonic waves. And it was in that sense, it was just a, a bunch of iteration putting, putting into mind one target, which was kind of nice. I didn't have to worry about, I know some, some carving projects have to really worry about like the, ergonomics and comfort of someone wearing a jacket or something for us was much more was much more technical in that way to pursue just being really good at one particular thing.
0: Absolutely. It's always good to focus on that one thing, right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So in, in focusing on this this product on the crowdfunding side, what made you decide to use crowdfunding as a means to launch this to the US and international market and how long have you spent preparing for this campaign?
1: Well, we wanted to go after it, to be honest, we wanted to go after, go after the U.S. market primarily because people just have a, a larger wallet size here in the U.S. And because of that, it allowed us to actually pursue our, our kind of vision, which we were pursuing in the first place, of a high-quality ultrasonic, portable ultrasonic generator that, that, that could actually be the best in its class. Whereas in Asia, we always had the worry. There aren't really a lot of competitors in space yet, but it always felt like in Asia we would. There's a chance that someone would catch up to us, just because in Asia people just have a smaller wallet size for for what what is basically a luxury good in a way. And to the kind of go, at, I guess it's kind of more of an engineering hub pride. I I studied electrical engineering uh, in school, so I was always kind of a a techie kind of guy, and so I really wanted to pursue. Making something that was really good and the best in its class, and we felt like we couldn't really get that in Asia. In terms of preparing for the campaign, it was uh, it, it took a while. We actually ended up investing quite a bit of, of of our time into it, as well as our team's time. We had done it successful in Asia before, so we had some experience already. But the only but in the US was was a whole different ballpark. We had to find a new videographer that was, that was familiar with crowdfunding. We, we, we spent a ton of time um, doing due diligence in terms of finding the right marketing partner to work with. We spent a ton of time trying to network with other, found, with other founders and try to see what the best practices were. I'd say we've been exploring the idea for close to a year in a way. And we've been focusing on developing like the, the marketing assets and things like that but for the past, I'd say. Three to four, maybe even five months, and now the campaign is underway. We're two weeks in, and anyway, we're we're expecting to invest uh, at least like a couple of years of time just on this on this first generation of of of, uh, ultrasonic portable ultrasonic cleaners.
0: Interesting. So, how did you guys decide about in terms of targeting your the market and the audience? You know, outside of the Asian populace, in terms of focusing on the U.S. and the international, how did you guys decide on who and where to target?
1: Yeah. So we had done quite a bit of focus group testing, actually. And at first we were thinking, well, maybe it might target only like these subset of people that are looking for like a small laundry device or something. And then we quickly, when we asked around customers, when we asked on family and friends, as well as our actually our staff's family and friends as well for input, uh, we got a lot of feedback for a lot of use cases we didn't think of. And we, and we ended up, we, we have... Engineers on the team, and we had some of the research about the use cases of ultrasonic cleaning. We actually talked to companies as well that also did ultrasonic cleaning, tried to see what customer, what kinds of use cases they had for the customers. And we, and where, when, even though we started with like, okay, well, we can use this to clean jewelry, or we can use this to clean cloth. We also learned about the potential in cleaning hairbrushes, razors, about baby bottles, toys, and then we we got a ton of really good research in terms of how just nasty that stuff is which only just made us more passionate about the project just because we saw like there was a real there was a real pain point here and then we realized that a lot of people not only didn't know that this stuff was really gross there's no really good way of cleaning it um let alone like a like a there are some ways of cleaning very individual things like you can you know dip a razor in, in some uh, in alcohol bath or something but there was no real way of putting like fruits as well as razors as well as hairbrushes and we saw that this was a tool that to kind of bridged that gap and it was a pretty interesting process in terms of just seeing how this how we, how we even even during the campaign actually we started getting a lot of feedback a lot of comments on on our campaign as well as on on Facebook about um, industrial use cases and we were like oh we didn't even think this is a big a big market on we knew it was a big market but not necessarily on crowdfunding, and so that was an interesting exploration process where we talked with uh, the investors partners team to try to get them to let's let's explore some industrial um, use case audiences, and we're seeing a lot of a lot of traction there as well, which is which is fantastic
0: to see. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about your campaign video. I think it's you know one of the better ones that we've seen this year. What what was that process like, and how did you guys decide on what to include in the video?
1: Oh yeah. That was actually a, a very manual process in our end. We work with videographers quite a bit, but our network isn't, isn't very strong in the, in the U.S. And also we wanted to find one that was experienced with, with crowdfunding in general. We, and so we interviewed a lot of videographers along the way, a lot of like traditional commercial slash product videographers, and we didn't, we didn't really find that they clicked very well. They just didn't really get crowdfunding in a way. And, and you know, we were new to this, so we didn't really get it either. Sorry, but at the very least, you know, you want something that's very high. It's, it's you don't want it, you wanted you don't want it to sound like commercial or like you just want to showcase the product in a pretty way. You wanted to show like a real pain point. As you wanted to, you needed someone that could you needed videographer that could put themselves in the shoes of being a founder themselves in a way and trying to deliver the pain point and making it relatable. And so we talked with a ton of videographers, at least at least like a dozen and a half that were referred to us by other founders, by previous founders, by friends and family, just by looking around on, on various biographer platforms and, and things like that. And then we eventually found one that was a really good fit. And it makes a load of difference if you have a videographer that can actually help you with your scripting, as long as you have an idea of, kind of what features, what kind of, I guess, chapters, quote-unquote, you want in your, in your video. So we drafted up the script, and then it was, it was honestly a back-and-forth form. For I'd say like a month or so in terms of really finalizing that script, and then what was difficult actually? So so we worked closely with Inventus partners with with your team during the video creation process, as well as with some folks at in Indi- in Indiegogo actually. And so we got a lot of input from folks in Indiegogo, at Indiegogo and Inventus at other previous founders and. That's kind of what caused a lot of churn in a way, but it ended up being being fantastic. We're so happy we got all that input because we came out with a video that we're extraordinarily proud of and um, we've gotten got a lot of good reactions too.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, outside of the video, what do you think about all the other marketing efforts that, you know, we've combined put together for this project? Where do you think you've seen the most ROI from that for our listeners?
1: Yeah. So I'd say for Indiegogo specifically, What's really helped with us is support from the Indiegogo team themselves. What I love about Indiegogo is the fact that they're, that they support their founders so much. You know, they're willing to talk with us. They're willing to engage us and give us input where we're needed. I mean, in the end, they can only do so much. They're still a, you know, neutral third party and they can't really give us that much of a, you know, internal boost or what have you. But um, getting placement in the newsletters, getting placement in, Trending in some of the teams just by just by uh, you know uh, applying some interest in those in those placements has been tremendous for us. Um, beyond that, uh, I can't iter- I can't emphasize enough the importance of, of digital ads. We talk about it all the time with with the Inventus team, and so I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you get a lot of that, Roy. But it's the only way to really stay, keep your campaign alive in a way, and even have a chance to stay in trending, to stay to stay in anyone's mind, basically. And so we've had a ton of success there. Another huge plus to our campaign has been reaching out to big email lists, actually. So, for example, uh, this is a this is an unpaid for sponsorship, but BackerKit, for example, has been tremendous in the fact that they've been able to place place us in their newsletter, and we've had a ton of conversions from there as well. And so. At this stage, you know, we're kind of in the middle of the campaign, so to say, where things are a bit slower. We're, we're focused on those two things, basically. Really trying to ramp up ads to keep sales coming, as well as trying to get published or trying to get access to these newsletters. Just because at this point, we've been, we've been really hitting the Indiegogo audiences just through our placements. Um, and we've been hitting a lot of our friends and family networks at the same time. And so we need to really expand our... target customer base at this point the only scalable way to do it is really through a lot of ads as well as through a lot of these placements with with external uh, email lists or what have you
0: absolutely so in talking about the backers so far what's been your experience with them I mean how much feedback are you guys getting and you know are they leading you guys down the path of new ideas or new product innovations
1: yes yes quite a bit actually a really interesting one that we actually didn't really think of Was someone mentioned it'd be great if they could put in, if we could somehow make like a heater element attached to, attached to the sonic soap. There are a lot of difficulties in incorporating that, that kind of thing. And in the end, it'd be something that would need to be plugged in as well. And, but it, it was a really interesting idea that someone, that someone, that a couple of people had brought up that we didn't really think about. And so that was just tremendous input. And in a way, like we found that a lot of our backers are, are, are like a free focus group in a way. Because it's very easy because they're they're so they're so I guess hyped and and loyal and interested in the product and passionate. And they're the kinds of people that who that can are not you know letting their imaginations run wild in terms of how they can use this. So uh, receiving a lot of great input like that. Another really interesting idea that we're thinking about for our next rendition of this is trying to make it trying to make it like completely wireless and just having it attached to battery pack or or something like that. It's something that's that's that we've thought about before, but there seems to be so much interest in it. We're, we're putting a lot more resources onto that right now. So just a, a tremendous amount of uh, feedback from, from our backers.
0: Yeah, that's interesting on the heating element. That's uh, like one of the campaigns we did in the past for Rinse Kit, uh was basically an add-on device to heat the water. Um, so instead of taking a cold shower, you get a nice warm one after you're in the ocean. Um, so I'm sure yeah. that will be an interesting integration product for you guys in the future.
1: Yeah, definitely. We, I think, I think I've seen that campaign. I, I, I go surfing, so um, not not that often, but but I, but we always bring one of those portable showers, so yeah. that could be really cool.
0: Yeah, killer product. I'll, I'll get you one, Glenn, just uh, just for being on the <laughs> show. <laughs> Thank you for that. So, what's been the biggest surprise so far with your Indiegogo campaign?
1: Hmm, it's a good question. I mean, the, this whole experience has been has been so new to us. I mean, it's it's. In a way everything's kind of surprising we, we were very surprised at at just i guess at, at how much and how engaged people could be in a, in, a, in a product in a way um we've launched a lot of traditional e-commerce products like headphones we do like health and beauty as well uh, we've done some food products but we've, we've never ever seen this much engagement on on a product and it just feels like people are are message emailing us daily people are like commenting on our Facebook page and engaging us trying to learn about the product, trying to learn even about our history a little. And I've never really had that with the traditional product launch. It's most most of the time people like make the purchase and then you don't really hear back from them unless, you know, they're complaining about a return or trying to figure out an issue with the product or have some questions about the setup or something like that. And so it's it's been a new experience in, in that sense. The second one is actually this is a very good surprise. There's a lot of interest in distributors. There's a lot of interest in media outlet uh, outreach as well just cold with us for our traditional product launches once we launch a product we have to kind of reach out to our distributors maybe reach out some traders and say like hey include us in your catalog or what have you but in this case we're having a lot of international distributors from japan from australia from hong kong from vietnam thailand like literally uh, at least a dozen countries with some very seriously interested distributors that are I'm very open to, to working with us, and so that's that's really great because uh, it, it gives access to these countries that we don't really have a good a good network or infrastructure in that we can partner with, and we haven't really had that with more traditional product launches either and so tremendously great surprise, but um, something that we're quickly trying to adapt for and trying to figure out how to think about in terms of who we want to partner with and how we want to filter who, who
0: we want to work with interesting, so I know this will be a little self-serving but You've been working with us at Inventus Partners for a while now, Glenn, and it, I think it's good to know in terms of what were some of the considerations that you were looking at when choosing an agency to partner with?
1: Yeah. So a big a big thing that we... I mean, to be honest, like in, in the crowdfunding space, there's a lot of... Uh, I, hate, I hate to use the word scam because it, it sounds so bad, but there's a lot of scams in both not only the products that sometimes get launched, as well as the... Marketing partners are out there. So there's even, even during our campaign, I'm I'm sure you get this from a lot of the clients you work with, but we get a lot of people coming in. Hey, we'll work with you. We'll, 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 we'll take, we'll do your ads. We'll do your um, media press. So we'll do X, Y, Z. And all you need to do is like pay this amount of service or give this percent of the the uplift or what have you. And to be honest, a lot of these firms just have like no traction. Their people aren't, aren't super qualified. We, We can't find anything about them. And so what kind of made us move a little bit closer to Inventus partners was because you guys are an actual company with an actual history with a very public profile out there in a way. So you can find yourselves on, you can find a lot about Inventus on, on, on the web just by searching them. You can find a lot about their staff. So I look on LinkedIn and seeing that their staff has a strong, I don't want to say corporate, but a strong like professional background. And we saw that basically Adventist Partner were actually qualified, not just a one man, two man show that had like a reputation or just had a couple strong, um, couple strong referrals. The other thing that Adventist Partner was great about is they worked with a ton of really great founders already, that they're very open in terms of trying to get us to talk with them. Basically, we actually got to talk with these founders, got their input in terms of, they got their very transparent input in terms of how, what they like, what they didn't like. And the other marketing partners that we talked with and kind of the trade-offs were there. And so between, and we talked with like all the major marketing partners that your audience might've heard of, Rain Factory, Funded Today, Inventus Partners with Launch Boom, HD 2.0, with literally like at least a dozen agencies out there between referrals. And we found that Inventus Partners was probably the most, I'll say, put together in the sense that they have the biggest, the biggest company behind them and the most. Experience not just in like crowdfunding campaigns, but as digital marketing consultants and digital marketing as a digital marketing agency in general. Whereas a lot of these more um, crowdfunding specific ones, I, I see them, they've been around for three, four, five years, like Funded Today or Launch Boom, for example. They haven't been around for that long and they just got to, kind of got started only this crowdfunding. To me, that's, that's kind of a red flag. Like, we also do digital marketing for some clients. And we also have a lot of experience working with digital marketing companies. And in a way, a lot of what we're, a lot of what we're doing is the same. And so it's surprised. That, and then we realized that, oh, well, I mean, it's better to work with someone who has just a lot of digital marketing experience than someone who just specializes, quote, unquote, in um, crowdfunding specifically, where it's there's no reason you should specialize in that kind of thing, basically. And so we saw Inventus had a little bit of both and had a very streamlined operation. And we just kind of took, took the plunge and, and we're were all, ha- all the more happy for it.
0: Absolutely. As are we, Glenn. So what advice would you give to someone else looking to crowdfund their techie product like Sonic said?
1: Yeah, that's a that's, I would say the biggest thing is really It's a good question. So I, I'd say I'd say the biggest there's a lot of things that I wanna say, but the biggest thing is to the biggest thing is just to really ask around for help for when you launch a product. So um In terms of the techie side, honestly, that there's so much advice to give there from from a um, development and production standpoint, you need to make sure that I would say that don't go into crowdfunding at this stage nowadays. Don't go into it expecting that they're going to seed your company or seed your your whole development that's it's It's a little bit misguided in this space that I see having talked to other founders and having seen kind of their turns and the 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 flow of traffic to our campaign. The issue is it's, it's just very difficult to have, the, after you raise raised a campaign, to market your product effectively, plus have enough money left over to to fulfill your backers and commit to the R&D process in, in this way. And so in terms of production, I would say expect to put in a lot of your, your own or some investor capital in at the beginning to actually develop a product. I recommend trying to launch in... Where you can get a lower end version of your product like like we did in a way and slowly scaling up features and development and what have you in the us now there's a hard barrier of entry to doing this obviously but you know i would say that that's where a lot of founders have, find, have found difficulty even if they launch successfully and raise a lot of money it just takes a lot of time and money to develop a product and um, after you crowdfund you don't have a lot of margin for that but the biggest thing i would still say is during the marketing campaign itself, like, just ask around a lot of people in terms of how to do it properly. Basically, the best practices, whether it's other founders. And, you know, for us, it was really as easy as just looking up on LinkedIn. And if we found, like, we just looked up, like, um, some company name. Like, like uh, we, we talked with the founder of BlueSmart, for example, the smart luggage uh, travel suitcase company or, or what have you. We just found them through our direct network for example. And we reached out to them, asked them, you know, how should we do this? What was your story? What are some best practices? And then we also talked with a bunch of marketing agencies and just frankly ask them like, Hey, what are some tips that you can give? We might go with you, but uh, I mean, you, you say this a lot more politely, obviously, but we, we might work with you, but we'd love to kind of hear your best practices in terms and um, how, what an agency does for us, all these things. And then you quickly learn to learn about a lot about what the best practices are. And then it's a matter of executing them. And when you have a, a marketing partner, it helps tremendously because they'll, they'll, they'll be a fantastic sounding board who's done this dozens and dozens of times.
0: Absolutely. I mean, the crowdfunding community is truly a community where you can ask for advice and people are yeah. readily open to be able to give it because, you know, they want to make sure that the community continues to thrive.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, actually, it's actually tremendous. I, I've, I haven't ever been in a community of, of, of founders that are so open about talking about the process story and be, and be willing to be so helpful. I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm not a big fan of being overly competitive and kind of hiding everything, hiding your cards so close to your chest in a space where it, especially when no, someone's not really competing with you. But I feel like the crowdfunding community, we've had just so much support from other from other founders and the, even even the marketing partners in a way we've talked with, even if we have ended up working with them. We're very open with being helpful and and transparent and just and just actually supporting us, which is, which has been something I've never really experienced. It feels like a, a cohort almost of like, oh, we're, we're peers, we're in this together, which is extremely helpful.
0: Absolutely. All right, Glenn, this gets us into our launch round where I'm going to rapid fire a handful of questions at you. Are you good to go? Yep. Yeah, let's do it. So what inspired you to be an entrepreneur?
1: Well, when I worked corporate, I would say that I felt like I wasn't really doing anything for myself or for or for the world in a way in the end. So as a as a consultant, you basically you're basically hired by clients to basically have some kind of effect on their bottom line. And so while it was kind of interesting work, I really didn't feel like I was I was it was financially very rewarding for the hours that I had to put in, nor was it very satisfying. I, I wasn't creating anything. I wasn't Affecting the world in any way. And, and in, in a way, I, a lot of my friends felt the same, which is why we went on this path and realized that, hey, let's go on this path of entrepreneurship. Let's create something and let's, let's try to make more money.
0: So if you could grab a beer with any entrepreneur throughout history, who would it be?
1: Mm, a, that's a really good question, actually. I mean, I've always been a big fan of
0: Jeff Bezos, in a way. And he, I don't know if he qualifies as an entrepreneur
1: now. I would have loved to talk to him back in the mid-90s. I mean, this guy quit, quit his extraordinarily well-paid job to out of his garage in Seattle, which was not, not that great back then either, and, and pursued his dream of basically finding the founding what Amazon is today. And I'd kind of love to hear, like, back in the 90s, like, the environment was so different versus, versus now. But I'd love to kind of hear about kind of his inspiration. I'd love to hear about what still drives him. To what still drove what drove him back then, and what drives him today, and how, and, and kind of what he, and I'd love to kind of hear his input as like basically one of the one of one of the founding fathers of e-commerce in terms of how he sees kind of the outlook on e-commerce on the internet uh, internet economy and everything like that.
0: Absolutely, I'm looking at. I, I just got the mail delivered, so he's on the cover of Entrepreneurs, the 50 most daring entrepreneurs of 2017. <laughs> so I think he classifies Glenn. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's great.
0: Uh what book would you recommend to our listeners?
1: Hmm, what book? That's a good question. I was always a big fan of Naked Economics. It's not like a it's not like a, you know, it's not like a rich dad poor dad kind of book, but it's 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 more like a it was a book that I read when I was when I was a little bit younger and it goes into economics in a very relatable way. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs that I talk with have like a, a dream and have a have a lot of passion a lot of them don't really understand economics in a way in terms of how in terms of pricing economics in terms of the implications of that when you launch a product when you price a product in terms of when you market a product and kind of when you think about all these things how they stick together there's no one cure-all book in terms of teaching how to how to know how to do everything but I think a lot of people lack I guess the understanding of basic, basic economics. And even for me, I often just forget and I need kind of a, a recap here and there. And so I, I try to read as much as I can in general. But a lot of it nowadays, when you're a little bit busy, is much more um, reading articles, analyst reports, things, things like that to kind of still stay sharp.
0: Where do you see yourself in five years?
1: Five years? Hmm. Um, well, I'm pretty optimistic about the internet economy in a way. I still see myself hopefully launching interesting and new and novel products in, in the US and internationally. I'm what I'm hoping to do with a lot of the product lines that we've been developing is to actually um, scale them to the point that we can immediately go to market with them to through a bunch of distributors or um, e-commerce partners in various countries. In the US, I think it's I think we'd rather do it ourselves just because it's at a point where sorry, it's at a point where we can scale and we can capture a lot, a lot more margin in the U.S. But what I'm hoping to do within five years is to actually set up a, a much bigger, much better infrastructure in the U.S. Not only for Sonic Token specifically, but for you know any all the various products that we launch and, have, and to have a system to go about it. I guess uh, I'd love to have like a, I'd love to be like kind of like anchor or something, just developing a lot of products and, and launching it all, whether on Amazon or on traditional e-commerce channels. And they're even doing a They just recently finished a Kickstarter as well. And so um, I'd love to be kind of in the midst of all of that.
0: Nice. Last question, Glenn. What does the future of crowdfunding look like?
1: Future of crowdfunding. Hmm. That's a good question. I think that Kickstarter and Indiegogo is is the the two biggest and old and well-known players in the space have a lot to have an uphill battle. Um, I think crowdfunding has gone a really, really bad drop over the past four years. And I know um, Kickstarter just released uh, numbers and indicated like 2016 wasn't, there's been a, light, a slight decline, basically. And I think that's because of, so on one hand, there's a lot of pushback from a lot of people that are, that are not familiar with go or Kickstarter, not really understanding the implications of backing a product in terms of, you know, getting returns or, or like delayed timelines, things like that. And a lot of people are feeling scammed. And, that's, and there's an uphill battle if you go going Kickstarter and Kickstart and um, Kickstarter to fight that. And on the other hand, there's this burgeoning market internationally of increased uh, spending power, of increased interest and, and access to these, you know, just more knowledge in English language, more access to Internet, things like that. And there's a, there's a lot of international influx. So, for example, for our product right now, for Sonic Soap, more than 50% of our sales are actually outside the U.S., I would say more than thirty percent are in what I would consider as more developing, quote unquote, countries where you wouldn't traditionally launch. Yes, we have the Germany, Japan, Singapore's, UK's, the world. We also see like like I said, Thailand. We also see Indonesia. We see like these these smaller countries we wouldn't have even thought about approaching. But we see, but I, I kind of see in the future this international market growing and growing. But at the same time. Um, Indiegogo and Kickstarter have their work cut out for them in terms of working with the right founders, developing a, good, a, good, a better model in terms of attracting audiences more organically. So that alleviates a little of the burden off the, off the founders in terms of cost to really get more traction here in the U.S. where there's, there's just a poor reputation. And I, I, while I've seen Indiegogo and Kickstarter get better in terms of filtering their, their founders and their projects... There's still, I still see a lot of issues there as well that hasn't been really resolved. And even now, we're still dealing with customers on our, on our, on our Facebook page or what have you, saying just not even engaging about Sonic Soap specifically, but just saying like Indiegogo is a scam or they tried to back several products and then have gone to fruition and they've just taken their money. And that's something that is just going to have to that a PR issue that crowdfunding as a, as a theme or as a industry is just going to have to tackle.
0: Absolutely, day by day. Well, Glenn, this yeah. has been awesome. Please give our audience your pitch. Tell them what you're all about, where people should go, and why they need to need to go buy a Sonic Soak on Indiegogo.
1: Yes. So, for all you listeners, please check us out on in Indiegogo. You can find you can all you can just Google us at Sonic Soak, or you can search for us on Indiegogo. You might find us in trending or hardware, if that's if that's uh, kind of your if that's kind of your category of interest. Sonic Soak is the world's most portable ultrasonic cleaner. As far as we've seen, we are the only one that really does this very well. We use the most powerful Sonic generator you can that money can buy. And we would really love your support. You can use this thing for cleaning literally anything. And I mean literally anything. I said hairbrushes and razors before. I'll also say jewelry. I'll also say for you for you more industrial users we've had a lot of we've had a lot of fun testing it on rusting like carburet like car parts as well as um some some gun parts as well we can't advertise that too heavily just because of terms of use you can also use it to clean fruits as well especially for for me what i use it for is a lot of blueberries strawberries what have you which is have which is just really possible to clean by hand and clean thoroughly um you can learn about you can learn about how nasty this stuff is and how sonic soap pulverizes the all the germs and contaminants and all this different stuff right on our campaign page where we'll cite all those research and studies for you guys. So please support us on Indiegogo to bring this product to market and bring this product to the U.S. for the first time ever.
0: Well, Glenn, this has been awesome. Audience, thank you again for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for all the show notes, a full transcript, links to everything we talked about today. And, of course, thank you to our crowdfunding podcast sponsors, The Gadget Flow and Backerkit. Glenn, thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Thank you for having me. And I'm, I'm glad I ended up giving Dr. Kit that uh, placement
0: then. I know they will be too. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, awesome. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and tell us all about it. There you'll find additional information about past episodes, our Kickstarter guide to crushing it. And of course, if you love this episode a lot, leave us a review at artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors, entrepreneurs, and startups find this show and helps us get better guests to help you build a better business. If you need more hands-on crowdfunding strategy advice, please feel free to request a quote on inventuspartners.com. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you again next week.